Hey everybody, this is Adam from the Back Patio Network. And this is Mike from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we are back. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 1 of the Almighty Podcast. We watched, what, Episodes 14 and 15? Yes, technically um, this is this is like the functional Season 2 of My Hero Academia as well. Um, it, you know, anime shows tend to have a different like numbering um, tradition or... or way of of keeping track of their episodes and continuity than we do we go by seasons they will just increase the episode number forever um yeah it's pretty eight, you know i mean think, like one piece had like 800 something episodes so yeah i remember watching naruto and it got up to like 300 and then shippuden which had i think 300 ish as well so yeah so episodes 14 and 15 are what we're talking about Today. And you always know when the seasons change in an anime because they change the openings and the closing credit scenes they and the, the music. So what do you think about the music for this new season? Uh, I mean, I don't really have strong feelings about much music. I, I'm a big fan of um, a, a couple of anime opening themes, like super big fan of Rock the Dragon from Dragon Ball Z in the USA. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that Attack on Titans song is pretty baller. That one is good. You know what's weird? I, I don't know that anyone else... I'd love to hear it if anyone else do, does remember this one, but the one that always sticks out in my head is the opening to Outlaw Star. I don't know that one. Yeah, I loved Outlaw Star. That may be probably my favorite anime of all time. Yeah, so so far, none of the MHA stuff is kind of stuck in my head as far as like catchy tunes that I'll find myself humming or thinking about later on in the day, but uh, oh, I, I, did, I did notice that there was a shift. So yeah, I I pretty much keep all my theme song in my head all day. It seems like anymore. That's fun. <laughs> so I, season two's opening and closing. I was like, eh, they're not the originals. They're not as good. I hear you. But I did I did appreciate this the new introduction for season two. It teases the potential of a showdown, like maybe a one v one between Todoroki and Midoriya, and I'm kind of psyched about that. We haven't seen it yet in these two episodes, but it could be coming down the pipe, and I'm for it. Yeah, I am too, and you know what's interesting is I didn't expect Todoroki to be a main character for a while, but I get the feeling after these two episodes, he's going to be one of the staples for sure. Well, they've been building him up as a pretty enigmatic guy, and you can't leave that much mystery on the table for too long. So That's fair, but I kind of assumed he would just be one of those really powerful characters that is kind of around, you know what I mean? But like, he's always one step ahead of your main hero, so you just don't see much about him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're coming to a crossroads for sure. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So let's get let's dig into these uh, episodes. Let's see, episode 14. It just kind of started off with a recap of season one, really, didn't it? Yeah, a bit, and it it touched on some. Again, we have like this voiceover from future Midoriya about what's gone on in the past. Um, I mean, they go all the way back to the advent or the discovery, the very first quirk, right, with this baby who's born all shining and glowing, right, um, like. In reality, as opposed to parental perception, this kid was actually a, like a light bulb. Um, and in some of the voiceover, he says that the profession that everyone once dreamed about and admired had came into the limelight. And this, I thought, was a pretty neat thing for him of all people to say, because even in our world, becoming a hero feels like everybody's wish, everybody's dream. Yeah, um, I feel like I know a lot of people that would, I mean, almost kill to have superpowers of some kind. Yeah, you know? and we all pretended at some point. Um, oh, absolutely. So, I don't know how many friends I had convinced I was a Super Saiyan because I was born with blonde hair. Right, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or how many of us have secretly or maybe not so secretly tried charging up at least once if you grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. Absolutely, yeah. Um, You're lying if you never did it. Yeah, so this hero is wish fulfillment is interesting when it comes to Midoriya of, of maybe of, of all people because... 
he he has a childhood very much like ours where he wants to be a hero. He, unlike us, has a very real chance at it because of this this quirk um, element or, or layer to their world. But then he finds out that he doesn't have one, so he gets denied, right? So his wish is denied. His, his dream is squashed. Um, but then he does have this other avenue um, to that wish's fulfillment opened up to him by All Might. Um, and so that hero is wish fulfillment thing comes back full circle. Um, and it's kind of neat too, because when he's a really young boy, when he's like four, year, four years old, he's in, in this flashback, he says, once I get my quirk, I'm going to be just like him. And he's referring to All Might and ta-da, he totally is. He's going to be exactly like All Might. And he even gets that guy's exact power, which is kind of a cool little um, like coming together moment um, uh, of this flashback. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's really, it's good seeing somebody that deserves something get it, you know, because we live in a world where, unfortunately, we see good people get dished up bad situations all the time. Right. So to see this hero become the hero and kind of get what his dream is and get what he's working for, it's beautiful, man. Like, that's a, it's just a good feeling in general. And we don't even just see into the past in this thing. We kind of get a glimpse into this future scene that's kind of wild where Midoriya is looking maybe just a little bit battered um, and he's facing off against a whole bunch of bad guys and he's winding up what looks to me like the Beyond Plus Ultra move that All Might pulled off against Nomu in the last couple episodes because it does yeah. the whole Gogeta light ball thing. Um, while he's going to do the punch. So we have something, you know, we, we look back on some things and then they tease something that we could, we're definitely going to be looking forward to as well. But once all the past and future stuff is kind of come and gone, uh, we find out that we pick up uh, the narrative of My Hero Academia exactly where we left off. It's literally the day after the incident at the USJ where we pick back up with the students. Yeah, and because I had asked you in this last episode if you thought we would have a big time lapse, and we, I mean, I was expecting one. I figured it would kind of time lapse like at least a year or two. They've got their powers more into wraps, but it didn't. It was the day of, and it turns out they've been given the day off, I guess, to deal with this horrible tragedy that's happened at their school. You know, you guys suffered this villain attack, have the day off, right? Right. So we get to see this really cool scene between the faculty of the school and all of the people that were, I guess, investigating, which we've got this one primary investigator who seems to be doing at least a lot of the legwork or a lot of the instruction work there. And he's telling these people that they arrested 72 villains from the villain attack. That is no small number. Yeah, it blows my mind. And I think at some point in time, even Aizawa had mentioned that, you know, like they just arrested a few people. Like, yeah, a few people. Come on, man. Yeah. A few uh, villains is what he says later on. Yeah, but I mean, this is a, a pretty interesting scene because it seems like All Might, not only is he as brutal and strong as he appears to be, he was actually able to kind of look into Shigaraki's kind of mental awareness, I guess you could say, because while he's fighting Nomu, he's also picking up on all of these things with Shigaraki not explaining his powers and kind of being a man-child. And that's that's exactly what he calls him. He just calls him a man-child. Like, he's a big baby. He's been given everything, and the moment he did not kill me and get what he wanted, he just started acting like a little kid. That's right. And it cracks me up because everyone adopts that name for him. Like, everyone in the room just starts calling Shigaraki man-child. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do it to his face next time they see him. God, I hope so. Because, you know, like, he has that weird tick where he starts scratching his neck when things yeah. aren't going his way. He'd probably just scratch his skin off. Yeah, that's right. I, I, like, I can't imagine him taking criticism at all. And I took a, quite a bit of notes about what All Might was saying about Shigaraki during this. Because he was like, 
psychoanalyzing him quite a bit. I mean, he, he was able to pick all this up from his periphery, I guess, or because I guess, he, cause he was engaged with Nomu while all this stuff was kind of going on, and he was picking up on a lot of these clues as to the character of Shigaraki and what he actually is. Yeah, well, and realistically, like, he had, what, maybe two minutes to do all this? Yeah. Because so- from the time that Ida gets out... And the heroes show up. I think uh, Kiro Giri had mentioned, like, we've got maybe two and a half minutes before these heroes get here. Right. So in two minutes, All Might was able to fight off Nomu and psychoanalyze Shigaraki. Yeah, so he says, when things don't go his way, he gets visibly upset. He made immature, wild statements with a straight face. He bragged about his possessions. He thought everyone would simply, every excuse me, he thought everything would go would simply just go his way. He's someone who hasn't gotten rid of his childish sense of omnipotence. And I just have in my notes, oh, so his quirk isn't disintegration at all. He's just a teenager. Yeah. He is, he, is just, he is just a child. That is what he, you have just described teens. He's um, a man-child. Yeah, exactly. So they, they hit the nail right on the head. I mean, his quirk doesn't have to be that he touches you and you disintegrate. It's, he's, he's a teen. He's, he's going through his terrible twos or puberty. One of those two things is true. Yeah. yeah he was a, he's just a, definitely an interesting villain, that's for sure. And they also, Paddington Bear slash Teddy Ruxpin um, slash the principal, um, he gets You into, mean the traitor. Yeah, well, in your, <laughs> in your very isolated opinion. Um, but Nezu says, um, he, he kind of has this throwaway line. They don't really spend any time on it. But he says if, if there was some, it's, it's as if somebody was backing him up and cultivating his evil. And it made me kind of think of, you know, we've got this school setting here with my hero, obviously. And... If, if we're going to make like an, another X-Men parallel, My Hero Academia, that school is the equivalent to the Xavier School and the, the class for the New Mutants. And then you have, you have Shigaraki and his little cohort of villains who are like the Hellions in the Massachusetts Academy. Um, yeah, so or was it the Hellfire Club too? Yeah, it could be. I mean, Hellfire would be like, even higher. I mean, that would be like right. even more devastating. You know, the Hellfire uh, are probably like boys. the masters. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is interesting because I think even Nezu says like there, there's a good chance that there's someone teaching him to be like this. Right. Which is kind of sad because even the investigators mentioned that they couldn't find anything on Kiragiri or Shigaraki. Uh, that they must be using aliases. They have no known like data information on anybody with quirks similar to theirs. So somehow these guys have ghosted. It's pretty cool, really, to think that they're able to be so undercover with how integrated it seems like the government is into these heroes' lives. Like, everybody seems to be pretty much registered. Yeah, and one of the heroes sitting in that little cohort uh, having this discussion with the detective makes this comment, well, maybe... How did they not receive court counseling in elementary school? So it makes it sound like these, these... Some of these villains that we had this encounter with at the USJ... They didn't even come up through the school systems. Um, yeah. But there's some plausibility there because we already get the feeling that Shigaraki's dad is one of the one of the beings behind the, you know, no video communication that we had earlier on because he keeps talking about it as his dad. So maybe he's just homeschooled. It's possible, I guess. I hadn't really thought about that. But, you know, it seemed like with 72 villains having been arrested, that means that there's a huge amount of this population that are either evil or they feel like they don't fit in with their quirks, which is kind of interesting because surely not all 72 of them just didn't go to school and get quirk counseling. You know what I mean? Right. 
So right. how did they? I don't know. I feel like with a lot of the quirks that we saw, they could have been specialized. I'm, I'm just interested in how they become villains. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that they were talking specifically about Shigaraki and uh, the the Kiragiri. Yeah, Kiragiri. I, I don't know that they were talking like all generally enough about yeah all the seventy two. I guess that makes sense. I don't know, but I mean, there are people in this world that get kind of left behind. I mean, they fall through the cracks of every single system, and you know, it's not like there aren't, unfortunately, very disturbed people out there because of that. So, yeah, it's not unfathomable to happen in a superhero society either, I suppose. Right. So then we pick back up with um, we kind of transition away from that school and the the little um, the brain trust of the teachers and we get a cool kind of a cool scene of Midoriya he's back at home with his mom and he's watching the same YouTube video that he's been watching of All Might for years I mean literally years um and he you get a shot of his room um and we probably have seen it before but it really struck me that this time that as they're kind of painting around this room that his room is literally a shrine to his literal idol All Might He's just got posters everywhere and dolls or statues everywhere. And he probably is, you know, has like all my sheets, you know, on his bed and stuff like that. Yeah. And that seemed really weird to me. Uh, like the idea that I, I'm sure we've all done it. You know, you're a kid, you've got heroes or you've, you've got like maybe cartoons you watch that you love. So you've got these posters of them up. But in this case, like Midoriya has these memorabilia as you could say of all might and he has become best friends with all might so like i don't i feel like i would have taken him down maybe that's just me why would you have taken him down well i don't know like he's friends with like midoriya and all might are now really good friends right so if midoriya had invited over let's say another kid growing up he would want to show him his room of like all of his all might stuff Sure. But, like, if Midoriya invited All Might over, would he show All Might all of his All Might stuff? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it fair. just seems weird. You know what I mean? Like, would they sit down and look at All Might's trading cards? Or would he want to hide it? Because it's like, oh, well, like, I don't, like, it would be, in my mind, no different than if I was to invite you over to my house and you walked in and maybe I had posters of you, like, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. So, like, at what point does Midoriya go, you know... Like we are, I see him every day. I ate lunch with him. Like I don't need a poster of him on my wall. It you seems, know, it kind of reminds me too of that first time that Midoriya came out with his costume that was so blatantly like All Might inspired. And right. All Might was just like, oh my gosh, he's not even be a subtle being subtle about this. Like he was kind of m- m- flattered, but probably also a little embarrassed just for Midoriya at how um, how his costume was so clearly referencing All Might. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I just there's some kind of part of that that was weird to me. I, I feel like he should have taken him down. Nah, Maybe that's me being a party pooper. I don't, nah, I don't yeah, know. I get it. I get it. That's pretty funny. Uh, and, and out of curiosity, so we've seen a lot of home life for Deku or Midoriya here. And so far, his father is not around at all. I mean, he was mentioned once in the episode, like episode two, when they're explaining the powers And the doctor asks, you know, well, what were your powers and your husband's powers? And the mom says, oh, well, I can float small things in the husband or his father breathes fire. But that's it. He hasn't been around at all. We haven't seen him. Midoriya's not mentioned him. The mother's not mentioned him. All Might hasn't mentioned him. So I'm really curious what what story is there. Like something had to have happened there, you know? Yeah, I haven't given a whole lot of thought to what actually happened, like as far as like an in-narrative, in-world reason why Midoriya's dad doesn't seem to be a part of the picture anymore. 
But I think from a literary perspective, it makes it easier for Midoriya to have this intense adoration and even like idolization of another, um, uh, another male, another adult male, like another his, father figure, basically. Yeah, without his father, without a, you know, his real dad in the picture. I think it makes it a little bit easier to to write to sell, and it doesn't make it offensive to a, his real dad in the process. You know, so I think sure. that just literarily, they might have just. I'm sure they. I'm sure there's some sort of reason, and we might know it. We, you know, come to know it. We might not, but I think from a literary angle, I, I get why he's not. I wonder if it has something to do with um, maybe All Might actually saved his father at some point in time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would. I wonder if they're going to do some kind of tie together where he's not mentioned for a long time, and then all of a sudden it's revealed that maybe he died in a tragic accident that All Might couldn't fix, or one of the other heroes couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, kind of a circle. Like, because I feel like they, the writers for this show, have done a great job kind of circling around everything. Yeah. So they start off a point and then they come right back to it and everything's explained. It wouldn't surprise me if they explain that somehow with a hero relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can't can't be too neat with these things, though. No, that's true. So, because uh, life isn't life isn't that neat where everything just circles back around and ties up nice and neat. So, I, I, yeah, I that's fair. I don't at this point. I don't feel like they've got any explaining to do, really. So, no, I guess I don't either. It just seems I don't know. It, it to me, it just seems like. I don't really know where I'm going with it, to be honest with you. It just seems weird. It it, yeah. it just kind of like I'm. I guess I'm used to Disney killing off the parents sure. and like everything they do, right. but it seemed unnecessary for this. Yeah. So it just seemed like an odd choice. But your your explanation of All Might being the father figure makes a lot of sense. So well, good. Uh, we don't. But I guess after this, we kind of go back to the the homeroom, right? right? Like we're we're right back at the school. They've had their day off to kind of get their mental place back after this villain attack. Yeah, uh, and there they are. They are, and they kind of are, are told that this sports festival thing is coming up. And Aizawa explains that um, he says that it's not an event to be canceled because of a few villains. This is where he kind of reduces seventy-two to just a few. And I just right. have in my notes. I just said, bro, there were seventy-two that were arrested. That's not to count the ones that got away. And look at yourself, like he is yeah. bandaged from head to toe. I like mean, mumbling took, through bandages, basically. Yeah, I mean, he took a now he he dished it out too, but he also got snot kicked out of him at the very very end. Yeah, um, I mean, even after having medical lady heal him up, he's still covered in head to toe bandages. So, right. I mean, the I, fact that he even showed up to teach is pretty impressive to begin with. Right, and I think they were even talking about, well, who's going to be our substitute? Um, but I feel like people would be understanding about the sports festival taking a year off, given given the recent circumstances. Yeah, I would have thought so too. But hey, you know, here we are, and there they are, right back in class. Well, and it quickly becomes the talk of the town inside of the different classes. Um, It's explained that they'll only get three shots at this. It only happens once per year. In in Japan, the school system, the high school is uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grades only. Um, So they, they just have their 10th, 11th, 12th grade years to participate in this festival they're explained that people that do exceedingly well in this um, will kind of catch the eye of some of the the higher up, higher ranking, um, higher profile pro heroes, and possibly gain themselves, you know, um, a, a pretty fantastic tutor, a more desirable tutor um, in a pro hero. Uh, so they're they're obviously pretty jazzed about this. Um, yeah, Kiyoka, they, they really are. There's a lot of really fun 
uh, kind of banter between the students on who's going to actually go pro one day as well, and yeah. who's just going to end up being a sidekick. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yep, and Kyoka tells Kaminari, she says, you'll be an eternal sidekick because you're dumb. And she just yeah. says it just like that. Um, which <laughs> and then it's like a picture of him with his thumbs up and his brain fried. Yeah, yeah. But then you also have Ochako, who has this insane reaction to the yeah. festival. Yeah. Where she is, she is like trying to get everybody psyched, but it's like very. Her voice is gravelly, and she has like those gravity lines around them that that communicate like an anime. That I'm super serious right now, right? She's right. Like hunched over, and you know her fists are balled up, and she's like, "We're gonna do this. We're gonna, you know, everybody get psyched about this sports event." And it's really funny because Mineta, I don't know. I, I'm back to watching um, anime as God intended. Uh, so with um, oh, are you watching the Japanese version? Yep, back to subtitles. Okay, all um, right. So in the in the subtitled version, Mineta is watching Ochako have this intense reaction, and he begins to say something, but it is immediately tongue slapped by Sue. Yes, um, I have that same note, and it's cut off. And it, all I see in the subtitles, I had to pause it, like I had to rewind and pause it. Is he says PM. Um, as if he's he's about to basically blame her crazy reaction to PMS, and Sue is not having that. Okay, <laughs> is that what it is? That's yeah. funny. <laughs> She's <laughs> not having that female bashing, um, like derogatory kind of comment. He, she just smacks him and uh, keeps him from finishing that thought, which is pretty funny. It was funny, yeah, because I, I couldn't figure out what he was trying to say. Uh, with the subtitles turned on in the English, he didn't he didn't say enough to get anything out. Yeah. But uh, someone had said something like, well, Ochako, you're normally pretty laid back. What's your deal? And then he was about to comment. And I was like, I feel like he could say a lot of things mm-hmm. here, and none of them are good. Nope, it was not <laughs> but good. It makes me love Sue more. There's something about her character that I really love. Like, Sue is such a great, I don't want to call her a background character because she's not, but she only shows up from time to time. And when she does, it's always super important. You know what I mean? Yeah. She, like, she's just a fun character. She is. And, you know, at first I was like, man. All right, her quirk make just in my brain. Her quirk made her entire character lame. Um, but uh, the stuff at the USJ has kind of uh, revived her standing in my mind as far as characters go inside of the show. Definitely, definitely. Um, but we do find out a lot more about Achako here because uh, this is when Midoriya asks her, like, "Hey, so why do you want to be a hero?" And uh, it's interesting because she explains that her family owns a construction company. And they haven't had a lot of work recently, so she wants to become a pro hero to make lots of money to make her family not have to work as hard. Yeah, and I, I Which, appreciate it when shows go out of their way to clarify motivations for characters. Why is this character doing this? I always want to know why. Right. Um, and we've, we've, seen it, we've seen it with Ida before, with his explanation of his family and basically this legacy and uh, you know this torch that he's, he feels like he has to carry forward. We get we get some of that with uh, Ochako in this episode, and I think that she is better as a character for it. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing kind of where she's able to take her powers, but at the same time, I, I don't know. She's talking about so here's the way that I heard this: like she's talking about her family owning a construction company and not having any work in a world where Mount Lady runs around the city and wrecks things. <laughs> yeah, so I like one of two things is happening here. Either your father's construction company isn't very good and shouldn't be working on things, or you guys are just not looking in the right spots, right? Like, there are literally thousands of superheroes wrecking things every single day. How would, does she not have enough construction? Well, and on top of that, like, it would be so easy for them to make a contract with a superhero to 
wreck extra stuff. You know what I mean? Like you could have so many in the real world. I feel like her family would be that family. That's like the Rockefellers or something. Like they would have superheroes that work for them. That's like specifically mess up the city and then immediately get contracts to fix it. It that's, would just be this never ending circle of money. You know what I mean? Insurance fraud, bro. You can't. Oh, say, totally. You, you can't say that out loud, <laughs> but you totally know that's exactly what they would be doing in the real world. Here's my theory. <laughs> I don't think that it's, I think that it's more that her parents have more of like a mom and pop style construction business where they're okay, smaller contractors. They don't have the kind of heavy machinery to re- restore downtown skyscrapers and things like this. They um, don't need to. They have her. She can touch things and levitate them. Sure. Well, and that was, that was I think, part of her That's argument her point. was, hey, we can, my powers can take us to the next level. Right. Um, but the parents uh, told her no. So Yeah. I don't know. I guess I just... I, I I like Achako because she wants this, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I feel like you might have been better off helping out your family. You know, they should have said yes. They should have let her. Sure. I don't know. That's just me. Well, we're while we're at the school, we have All Might invite Midoriya to lunch, um, and they sit down to have an interesting conversation. All Might um, communicates to Midoriya that the he he endured quite a bit of stress in the fight against Nomu and maintained his form a little too long. So his timer has gone down. He used to be able to hold um, uh, his his muscle form for three hours, and I, I think it's either down to fifty minutes or one and a half hours. I saw it both scrolling by. Both of those numbers scroll by really fast on the subtitles. So, it, so the way that they that he said it in the English version was that he could be All Might for fifty minutes if he's being active, but he could barely hold All Might in like a just a stasis form for an hour and a half. Gotcha. That makes some sense. Yeah, because I think like whenever he's just appearing as All Might. Is he can only hold that for an hour and a half, but if he yeah. has to actually be a superhero, he can do that for about fifty minutes now. Okay, so we, we so it's gone from three hours to fifty minutes, less than an hour. Yeah, so I mean the the sand at the bottom of his uh, his hourglass is is a lot more numerous um, in volume than the sand at the top. I mean his time is running short. Um, yeah, which makes me wonder if this power gets passed along, and it seems like it gets passed along in stages, right? Because he's only handed off a little bit of it to Midoriya. Yeah, could so, Midoriya hand it back to him? Like, could he charge up All Might? I don't know. Um, so let's talk about the the one for all for just a second. So they in the middle of this discussion, they start talking about the the instance during the U.S. the assaults on the U.S.J. where Midoriya got off a punch on Nomu and did, didn't wreck his arm, and you and I both. We're like, hey, that's because Nomu, one of his quirks was recoil reduction or absorption. Um, and we both kind of were in agreement upon that. They suggest in here that it was because it was the first time he had used it on a person. Yeah, um, which I don't know. I really don't like that. That well, doesn't fly for me. Here's So I, I let it stand as at least a, a different avenue for questioning. But here's, here's where I, I want to present a, a piece of evidence that we might not have had in mind when we made our shock absorption. Um, theory known last episode. So I said, does the impact theory that you and I have, does it hold up under the weight of the evidence that during the heroes versus villains face off, you know, with the bomb, that little game that they played, that when he threw that punch, when Midoriya punched, he did, his fist didn't actually hit anything. He didn't punch the ceiling. He just channeled that energy through his fist and it destroyed all those floors. So there wasn't impact there right um it was just, no you're it, right but i guess i assumed that was the recoil of all of that energy throwing his arm back okay i mean that that's one way to to look at it but I, i'm i'm once he started talking about 
it as it being maybe organic material because we know it wrecked him when he punched um, the the robot during the test, um, and it hurt him when he well, but it hurt yeah, it hurt him when he punched the ball that stands up too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but see, I don't think it has a thing to do with it being inorganic material as much as it's just, hey, I'm about to hit another living thing. You think he so, held back then? I think he held back, yeah. So okay. to me, the way that I understood this was it has nothing to do with it being like a living human thing as much as it's just like, hey, I'm about to really hurt somebody. I could kill them. I don't want to, so I'm going to try and lighten it up a little bit. And he just did that subconsciously. See, I thought about that too, but I wonder, would he have dialed it back? If if he if he wasn't sure that his fifty percent punch or his ten percent punch whatever it was that he was dialing it back to in order not to kill um, Nomu or whatever it was that he might have been punching would he have done that to on the off chance that it wouldn't have worked and Sue would have ended up dead in the process see and, and that's where I don't think he subconsciously made the decision like like I said I, I don't think that's true like I don't like this explanation that it was oh well I might have hit somebody and hurt them so I held back like I don't like that I yeah. I like it much more that no mood has absorbed it yeah. you know what I mean that's just me I know that there are probably a lot of people that don't agree with that but that makes more sense to me like I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think he would have pulled his punch, even subconsciously. Like, yeah. this dude was about to kill his best friend, or a good friend at least. Why would he pull his punch? Yeah, it definitely gave me something to think about anyway. Um, yeah. Well, and, and he, like, I guess earlier, you know, you're talking about whenever they're doing the heroes versus villains, he was punching at Bakugo and he didn't hold back. I mean, he knew that he wasn't actually trying to hit Bakugo because he had a different plan, but he also knew that he was in the way. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know, like... I just I don't feel like that theory holds up, but hey, you know, maybe maybe all I'm saying is maybe he did, uh, may, maybe practice and training did pay off, and it's yeah, you know, maybe. Could, it could be. I'm I'm open to the theory at this point. Um, but we kind of end this episode with Almighty again explaining his powers running out, but then he starts building up to this moment where he tells Midoriya, "All right, at the games, this is when I want you to tell the world to declare that that I am here, meaning Midoriya is here." Um, right. And I just have this note you were talking about, you know, can he give the power, uh, you know, to Midoriya in stages or can Midoriya give it back to him? My final note, my line note for episode 14 is just that uh, he's he's about to make Midoriya eat more hair. Um, but <laughs> it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We, we like, just moved right along. So speaking of All Might and all of his powers that, that he's now been dealing with and, and the shortcomings of them, we, at the beginning of episode 14, we get this interesting moment where there appears to be like an older superhero that is reading a letter from All Might explaining why he chose Deku and how he's finally chosen someone new. And I'm, just, I'm interested in who this old character is, like this old mentor of him. And he calls him his real name. And that's Doshinori is what I've got written down. Yeah, Toshinori Yagi is what I have for All Might's real name. We don't, I don't think we got the name of the old guy. I don't think we did either, but it makes me wonder. He knows All Might before he had the one for all power. So it makes me wonder if that was his original power. Like if we're seeing one of the, you know, originators of the one for all power. Yeah, I definitely think that we, we, I mean, it, we are certainly led to believe that the recipient of this letter was the previous, previous owner of the one for all, as in like before All Might got it, this was the person who had it, added his quirk to it found something in Jinko Jean's uh, All Might and then gave it to him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess like uh, seeing this older guy getting this letter made me think about what retirement for a hero looks like. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so. just sitting there enjoying some tea, I think, and reading the letter yeah. on, on some parchment. Yeah. 
But anyways, that was episode 14. Uh, episode 15 started off pretty good, man. We, we go immediately into talking about the UA Sports Festival uh, and kind of what they're doing it for. I mean, it seems like, from what I can tell, the festival has basically replaced uh, the Olympics because once we got quirks, the Olympics were no longer really important, right? Uh, but then they mainly use it to show off the first, second, and third year's powers to be able to get noticed by the big heroes so that way they can become sidekicks and whatnot yeah and so we see that they it's a competition amongst four classes so you have the hero class um the one that we're already familiar with then you have a support class which i'm assuming are like maybe heroes whose quirks are more fitted to sidekickery instead of like main hero Guys, uh, yeah. Did you ever watch? Um, it was an old Disney movie called Oh High School High or something like that. No. Okay, I can't remember exactly what it was called. It's an old Disney Channel movie, I think. I don't think it was actually real Disney, but it was about like a kid that's going to a high school of superheroes, and he gets put in the sidekick class. Oh, yeah, and I mean, they have this like sidekick teacher that is an old expert sidekick and i don't know it, I, that's what i imagine is happening to the support kids that's what I, that's what i think but then you have the business class which maybe their quirks are business oriented they run like, like they know the, how to the behind do, the scenes of hero work yeah or maybe they're really good at quickbooks yeah, who knows that, <laughs> that's a superpower um and then we also have this fourth class which is just called general studies and i'm very confused about this class um so is it just is it is it heroes in potentia that they, these are kids that like ah oh man you almost tested in but not quite but we want to keep you around because you might you might make it up into business support or hero like it's like a remedial hero class or something like this i don't i'm not sure how that works yeah i don't really understand either i mean we've seen that like so i'll just go ahead and state that i did not expect for there to be multiple classes like i assumed they were all heroes i didn't even think that there would be a support or a business or general studies or any of that you know what i mean i just assumed that they were grouped off of how good their quirk was so you would have like one a are the most potential one b is the next amount and then like one c are you know not as potential as one b or one a but they still have something there so the idea that they had classes full of just general studies it seems odd to me you yeah. know what i mean and we we learn a little bit more um, when Shinzo and some of the general studies folks end up coming into 1A, where our group of heroes um, is has their hero class, and they come, Bakugo says that they're coming to basically scope out the competition because they will be in direct competition during these um, during these games. Right, and of course Bakugo Bakugos, and he's a complete nutter jerk to everyone. He calls them all extra like, again. He calls them extras, yeah. And then poor Ida's in the background, like you can't call people extras yeah. just because you don't know who they are. It's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Shinzo, this purple-haired guy who we don't know much about, he makes the statement that people who aren't enrolled in the hero class could potentially move up into the hero class based on um, performance in this competition, and that right. also the opposite is true—that there are some who might end up moving out of the hero class based on this competition, and that's got to shake Midoriya right to the bones. It's like it's like that physical fitness test all over again, um, where he's he's got this. Well, you know, back then it was it was kind of a lie Aizawa was kind of kind of bluffing um right but you know now it seems like oh shoot you know I, I better perform really well or else that you know my my dream that I had and then lost because I didn't have a quirk and then regained when I did get a quirk now I might lose it all over again just because of a, a competition 
Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't know. Shinzo kind of, I wouldn't say he pissed me off, but it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, who are you to come into this class and say like, oh, well, I'm going to do so well that I'm going to knock one of you guys out of your position? Like, since when is there a cap on how many students can be in a class? You know what I mean? Like, this is just new information that I feel like Shinzo has established. There's no, there's no truth behind any of this. It's just him kind of being a jerk back. You know what I mean? There's got to be an element of all of how this school works that we aren't aware of. I mean, I, I kind of thought of it sort of like when I was in elementary school, you could test into what was called the gifted program. So, yeah, but they didn't kick someone out to let you in. That's true, but when we tested, when we when we were given the opportunity to test in, they did say, "Hey, if you don't perform well, then you test back out and you go back into gin, gin pop." You know, um, yeah, you know, yeah, back back to where <laughs> the regular third graders are. You know, um, so maybe that's what's going on here. I'm I'm not entirely maybe. Sure. Yeah, that's possible. I guess. I guess the way that I heard it was like, "I'm going to replace one of you," and I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like like it's pretty assumptuous. Like if you couldn't get in to begin with, what makes you think you're going to be better than any of these guys? You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Well, well, after this brief confrontation outside of the class, um, which features this gray-haired dude um, who is quite uh, quite vocal in his, his, he's very boisterous. Yeah, that's for sure. And he does not like Bakugo one bit. No, no. And you know what's funny is so Shinzo and this guy, both of them, their names are not mentioned in this episode at all. The only reason I know their names, or that maybe that you know them as well, is because I had the subtitles turned on. So it popped up with Shinzo's name before he would talk. But the other guy with the silver hair, his name is Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Oh, this is who that is? Yeah. I remember uh, and you had mentioned him the, at uh, one point in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when the hero test results were briefly flashed at the beginning of one of the episodes, I mentioned that there's some dude whose name was Tetsu, 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 which just seems like a mouthful. But uh, that's funny that that's who this is. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because he's kind of attacking the classroom and Bakugo's trying to leave, and I think it's uh, Kirishima is like, hey man, you should probably reply to these folks. Like, you're the one that pissed them all off. You're the yeah. one that's making us look bad. And he goes, eh, they don't matter. And yeah. he just keeps walking off, so and great. Tetsu, 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 like, loses his mind. Like, yeah. he, just, I feel like he's basically a, a lesser version of Bakugo, that's possibly, fun. you know? Yeah, that is pretty fun. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Right after this, like Aizawa's basically explained, you don't know what you're going to have to do in this turn or, you know, in the sports games. They do different things every single year, so you can't train specifically, but get out there and train for practically everything. So you get a quick training montage. We don't want to spend too much time on this, but I did want to highlight three people um, during the course of the training montage that we see for just a second or two at a time. So Kiyoka, the lady with the ear earphone USB jacks. Port, yeah. Yeah. So she's throwing darts, and I have in my notes, She's throwing darts with her earplugs. And then I also have in my notes, why am I just now realizing that they are earplugs? This is yeah. finger guns all over again. How did <laughs> yeah. I miss this? How am I missing some of this subtle punnery going on right in front of my face? It's not yeah, in fact, when they show her uh, quirk, he's like, earphone jack. It's literally what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, but then they're literal earplugs. Yeah. The puns are all over the place. Like, it's, it's finger guns all over again. It's um, funny. Yeah, I actually really like her. You see Mineta briefly, who isn't training at all, except he's just practicing holding a trophy, which made me laugh pretty good. Well, and in the background, he's got all of these posters of Mountain Lady in very promiscuous positions. So, you know. Perv's got a perv. That's yeah. what he does. Um, and then you also see Momo, who is studying, supposedly growing familiar with the molecular structure of more items, which I thought was a cool piece of us you know it's not it's not um dynamic there she's not doing anything with the power she's just sitting there reading because that's that's how that's kind of the the kind of training that would serve her well so i appreciate yeah. that 
That is kind of neat. I really like the series with Ochako and the girl that like secretes acid. They were like teaming up and training together, and I thought that yeah. was kind of neat. Then we also have so we kind of zoom forward in uh, in time a little bit. We get to the festival, and we hear somebody mention that Endeavor's son would be competing in the games. And right. I, I I let curiosity get the better of me. I went ahead and Googled it and found out that Endeavor is a pro hero. He's the one we see him very briefly. Um, We've in, seen him like four or five times, I think, like yeah. in passing. He kind of yeah. looks like Imbor, the Pokemon. He's got like flames that are kind of formed his like mustache and around his chest and stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's a pro hero, and his son is Todoroki. He's the he's the half hot, half cold quirk guy. Right. And I, I and like they don't specifically mention this in the episode. Uh, they mention that Endeavor's son is in 1A, and then later on Todoroki says something like, well, dad's out there watching. So I kind of assumed that that's who it was because they, they were pretty heavy-handed with it, but I'm glad to know that I was right, that you looked right. it up. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of theories about them, which we can talk more about near the end uh, here when we get more closer to Todoroki's powers, but I, I'm interested in seeing what happens with this. Well, we, we know, you already mentioned in this episode um, that powers are kind of an amalgamation of mom and dad so we see that he's got the fire bit clearly from uh from his dad from Endeavor, right which is kind of right cool. oh yeah which so, means his mom must have some sort of ice powers yeah so Todoroki though rolls up on Midoriya and he's like hey we're not here to make friends I am going to beat you I'm gonna be the best which steams Bakugo although he keeps his mouth shut I think because he's still intimidated to death by Todoroki. Oh, yeah. I think um, Todoroki may be the only person that intimidates Bakugo, actually. Yeah. And this is kind of interesting. I have in my notes, is it because Todoroki feels pre- pressure from his pro-father? Like he has to live up to this certain expectation? It could also... I, I also have that maybe um, having a pro-hero dad might also explain why Todoroki has so much control over his quirk because yeah. they've specifically made mention of that. Um all Might specifically made mention about it in the fight with Nomu that he had frozen Nomu um, to the point where he was immobilized, but didn't actually get All Might caught up in that in the same uh, at the same time. But he is he's like, listen, Midoriya, you're going down. I don't know what's going on with you, but you're you're going down. And Mid- Midoriya declares right back at him that he's gonna he's gonna go all out. I don't know what that means exactly um, because I think I don't he's know. just gonna try his hardest. You know? Yeah, but how? How? I mean, how can he go all out when the one for all still potentially at least seems to be beyond his ability to endure? He's just going to take himself out if he uses it prematurely too early. Yeah. Um, but so I, don't I don't know. He's he's really smart. Like, I, I get the feeling that he's probably been cooking up some ideas on how to get around Todoroki's abilities to begin with. Yeah. So. I mean, I'd, I'd kind of... And he's gotten this far without his powers. He's done really well for himself. Well, but we've seen the whole, I just use my fingers bit twice now. Um, so I don't think they're going to recycle that gag again. Nah, I'm curious to not. see what they do. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely interested in seeing how they make this work. Because yeah. obviously, in any other situation, Todoroki is going to take Midori out in like two seconds. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Like freeze him. Done. You yeah. know? Like he's done so, everybody else up to this Yeah. Point. And continues yeah. to do in this episode, which we'll get to in just a second. Right. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. We're talking about possible theories of Todoroki and his father. My biggest scare, let me tell you, I, I had this moment where I was watching this episode and I had a bunch of stuff click. And I was like, oh, God, I really hope this is not what they're doing. 
So Todoroki has got this half ice, half fire kind of profile. And then the side that his his fire side, I guess you could say, like that side of his hair is red. He also has this giant mark on his face. Mm -hmm. And I had assumed that that was probably just because that's the side that he controls the fire on. I think it's his left side. However, I am now convinced that this is a battle scar and that basically I'm really scared that Todoroki is going to be Zuko from Last Airbender and Endeavor is going to be like Fire Lord Ozawa. You know, I can appreciate that. I I didn't think about it from the scar perspective, but later on in this episode, Todoroki refers to his dad as the stupid old man. Right. I I have in in my line notes for this, Todoroki might resent his dad. And And I think he does. Instead of making him proud, he could be out to show that he's superior. He's better than his dad. That's exactly what I think is happening. So what I'm seeing, like what I think is happening here is he, we have not seen him use his fire yet. And like we saw him melt the ice, but it wasn't like, I don't think that's part of his fire abilities, but we know he has them, right? So I am under the impression he specifically doesn't use it to show his father, hey, I don't have to use your powers to be better than you. Mm. In fact, I can use mom's powers. And mom isn't around yet. Like, she hasn't been mentioned. She's not a pro hero. I am willing to bet that Endeavor is a giant dick. And more than likely, he has abused his kid, and he's probably a wife beater, and that's the reason Todoroki is like this kind of really weird, dark character that's really powerful. He wants to be able to prove his dad wrong and show the world how much of a jerk his dad is. Like That's kind of where I'm at with this with him. Okay, I I super appreciate that. I think that's a really interesting perspective that is going to color a lot of um, what I keep an eye out for in future episodes. So that's, that's that's awesome. That's my pickup from him. Like, I know that's a lot for just like a 20 minute episode, but holy cow, we see a lot of Todoroki in this episode. Yeah. So before we get into any of the action, they do this kind of like preamble to the, to the actual ceremony, much like, you know, real life Olympics where they do all the parade bits and stuff. Um, Bakugo gets called up by, um, what is her name? Midnight? Is her name Midnight? Her name is Midnight. That's her. She's the R-rated superhero Midnight. But yeah. the students have to call her Miss Midnight, which is even almost creepier. Yep. And Mineta is totally into it because pervs are. Oh hurt. yeah. He like totally other students were talking about how like is her outfit really appropriate? And then yeah. everyone in the stands are like, oh my god, those kids don't know what they're missing out yeah. on. And yeah, then it's Mineta. just Mineta with his thumbs up, and he's yep. like, yeah. Yeah. He's he's super into it, which is great. Pervs are going to perv, man. He's, man, he's it, and she even perv. says something that's like super disgusting, too. I think she's got like a BDSM whip, and oh, she yeah, says yeah. something along she's the lines got of. A do- dominatrix theme about her. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah, she says something along the lines of, uh, I don't want to choke anyone out, at least not in this series. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yep. Okay. Listen, it's not that kind of anime. We've been over it before, so I think right. we're safe. Yeah, but it was just so unexpected. But and they keep getting me too. Like every episode, yeah. there's some creep comment, and I'd never expect it. I don't know why. Right. But she calls Bakugo up to, I guess, give some sort of like, uh, some sort of like opening talk, um, for the for the ceremony. And he gets up there and he just says, "I'm gonna be number one. I just want everybody to be bouncy stepping stones on my way to victory." And yeah, that made me laugh out loud. That he was just like, just. Promise to be bouncy. So when I step on you, it'll propel me forward. It was great. It made that's mind. funny because I think in the English version, he gets up and they make it sound like he's going to say some sort of pledge. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
So he gets up and he just says, all I have to say is I'm going to win. And then he turns around and walks off and everyone is booing him. Yeah. And he says, he says the bouncy stepping stone stuff kind of on his way down off of the, uh, on the stage. He doesn't say it in the microphone. Gotcha. But it didn't well, and in the background the whole time, Ida is losing his oh, mind. Everybody is losing their minds. This yeah. entire stadium is like, Bakugo is the worst. Well, and they've already established, like, on the way in, all of the other classes were like, why are we even here? You know, yeah. like, we're just here to make the heroes look better. Like, just That's let us right. go home, yeah. you know? And, and then he gets up there and says this, and the other people, which, I, so I have to ask you, why is Bakugo up there? Like, they make the statement that he's number one in the class, but then other kids from other classes say, yeah, in the hero section. And and Ida was the one they elected. So yeah. I would have expected Ida be, to be up there, not Bakugo. I, I was kind of... I had my head down, jotting out some notes about what he had said, or no, it was right before this. I was talking, I was, I was um, writing out what I had about Mineta, um, when, if she said a reason beyond him just being ranked number one in the hero's entrance exam, I don't know why else he would be up there. Yeah, I mean, and it, the fact of the matter is, to me at least, like, everyone has commented on how bad of an attitude Bakugo has. I'm just surprised that even the teachers let him up there, you yeah. know? Like, you would think that if they were going to have the whole world watching an event, Bakugo is the last person I would choose to put in front of the entire world and speak for me. Yeah, you know what wrong. I mean? But so, if, you let, <laughs> if you let Ida up there, he would have gone on forever. Oh, so. my God, you're not wrong. We never would have had in a tournament. It would have yeah. just been him talking, so... But we, That's true. we get past the preambles, and she does. They kind of have like a, a slot machine approach to what it is that they're going to do, and it lands on an obstacle course. And she tells them, as long as you stay on the course, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, and I wonder if at some point she's going to end up eating those words because somebody's going to end up injured or hurt or whatever. Something. Um, but then they've got medical lady to fix it, so it's okay. But then you and have I guess the obstacle course is four kilometers around the stadium. So they exit the stadium and then, then they come right back into the entrance, I would expect. Yeah, and you have got a couple of cool just quick character moments. So Midoriya is going full on... Um, Mad Max and like witness me like he's like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna make everybody know who I am all might um, and then you have uh, what's the Mike guy's name again President oh Mike? President President Mike yeah President I love Mike. President Mike he's awesome he's he and Aizawa are the commentators which is uh, oh it's great it's a funny combination yeah because itself but Aizawa's even like how did you talk me into this yeah and Aizawa's still completely wrapped up so. Um, President Mike refers to him as Mummy Man and continues to do so throughout the rest of this episode. Yep, it's, yep. it's pretty good. Um, I get the feeling President Mike is the guy that like all of the other heroes don't want to be around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just, he's just super obnoxious. obnoxious. Yeah, exactly. and his power is just awful. He's kind of like his power reminds me of Black Adam. Oh, not Black Adam. No, uh, you're thinking of Black Bolt. Black Bolt, yeah, that's yeah. who I'm thinking of. The Inhumans, not not the uh, right. mystical god. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just obnoxious, but he doesn't keep from talking, you know? Yeah. And they open up the, the side of the arena, like you were mentioning. They all try to run through there at once, so it bottlenecks really bad. But Todoroki manages, he just freezes everybody um, and continues to run ahead. So he comes out of this tunnel, not... Not every single individual is frozen in place on their way out of the tunnel. Um, some of yeah, them I couldn't believe through. how many got out. Yeah, I, I thought that for sure he had frozen everybody. But I guess some of them, like when you, you know how if you're running, there are moments when you're f neither of your feet are in contact with the ground. So I wonder if the people who did have a foot in contact with the ground got frozen and then ones that were kind of mid-stride where both of their feet were not in contact with the ground, if they were the ones that were able to keep running. 
Maybe. I don't know. There were some that were using pretty cool quirks. Um, the kangaroo Luke Skywalker guy even mentions, like, you froze me before, it'll never happen again. Yeah. So he he knows. And then the, I don't know what her name is, I don't know that it's been said, but the girl that kind of looks like a tiefling and has been secreting acid, she was like ice skating. And I thought that was really cool. And I don't think she meant to do it. I think it was an accident, but she was like secreting acid through her feet in ice skating. Yeah. So that her, was neat. Her name is Mina, I think. M-I-N-A. Mina? I think okay. so. Okay. Um, then, of course, Manetta gets through because it's Manetta. Of course he's going to get through. Right. And <laughs> he gets through, so we see him, and he's throwing his sticky balls down on the ice and using them as, as stepping stones. Um, and he gets he's closing in on Todoroki. He's like at the lead pack of the heroes who have made it through this tunnel. Yeah. And he's winding up. He's so psyched. He's like, I'm going to get to do this special move on you. And he's rearing back to perform whatever this move is. And he starts to say what the name of it is because this is an anime and that's how these things work. You have to say it. You have to say the name of the power as you're using it. And all I got in the subtitled version was the letters G, R, and A as he begins to name this thing before a robot just smashes him out of nowhere. But what... What's the name of his special move? We have any theories on this? I, I man, it's got to be grape balls something, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I have grape something or another seems obvious. Like it, uh, it's it's probably what it is. But I also have if it doesn't contain the word ball or balls in it somewhere, we're not going to meet the quota, and I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, like I really. I think maybe for the first time and maybe the last time, I wanted to see what Mineta was going to do. Like, I was really interested because he seemed really cool for, like, five seconds. Yep. And, I <laughs> and thought, then he got wrecked. And I think it could have gone either way. Like, they could have done this moment where Mineta's superpower is stinking clutch, like, was just amazing. Or they could have played it where he it's it's all this buildup and then it's absolute trash. And I think I would have yep. been totally satisfied either way. I think that the trash move would have been would have made more sense given how they've treated the character so far. It would have been really expected, that's for sure. Yeah, because even he is like so far in this in all that we've had of him experientially, even he remains unconvinced that his power is any good. So I don't think it was going to be like a super awesome power, but I could have seen them just being like, oh snap. He figured something out, you know? Um, yeah, like so, he unlocked a second part of his power or something. Yeah, so I was kind of bummed that, that that got interrupted. But all of the big zero-point robots from the hero entrance exam are now on the field, um, and they are the first obstacle is what they're described as. And there's like six of them, like, and they're huge. They're blocking yeah, they're everyone from moving on. Massive. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of curious now. I wonder if Mineta looks up to Midoriya, because after everything that happened at USJ, Mineta's naturally a pretty scared cat. I, I get the feeling the only reason he's even inspired to compete in this is because of Midoriya. Could be. I mean, everybody's got their muse. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, the, the robots are, like, huge. Like, there's six of them. They're taking up the entire alleyway. Or it's not even an alley. It's, I guess it's a track. And yeah. nobody can get by. And even uh, there are several people that are trying to figure out, like, okay, what are we going to do? They're they're literally taking up the entire area, and no one's taking these down except for Midoriya, and he got messed up when he did it. Yeah. So of course Todoroki is like, you know, I wish they had tried. They could have put up something a little bit harder than this, and freaking freezes all of them. He's and OP. like hits them. He Todoroki's is. He's OP. He's super OP, man. Like I would love to have him in like a Smash Brothers game. You know yeah. what I mean? So he he doesn't. So he freezes all the robots, sort of. Like, kind of, yeah, because he freezes them like off kilter, right? Yeah, and he doesn't, 
encase them in ice. He just kind of puts like a, a, a thin sheen of ice over top of them because I he, think... he doesn't disable them. He right. doesn't freeze them in place. He doesn't disable them, which is genius. Um, he just stalls them long enough for him to get by and leaves them as um, obstacles for everybody else behind him. That is yeah, genius. It uh, is. And he, he even made that. the comment, like, I did this on purpose. Like, I froze right. them off kilter, and I did it on purpose. Right. And so this is the same time when he makes the comment of, like, I wish I could have made this harder. I mean, dear old dad is watching. Right. So he's he's sharp in addition to being crazy overpowered he just he just leaves those larger robots as obstacles i mean he could have frozen them encased them like he has everything else that we've seen him free so far but he would have been doing everybody behind him a favor and he's not about he's not about that life he's right. still trying to probably like we like we think show up his dad and i definitely think that's the case i mean this dude's just he's he's ahead of everyone else and i think even midoriya had made a comment earlier in it's either the last episode or the beginning of this one where he basically tells everyone in the class, like, you know, Todoraki probably has more potential than anyone else mm-hmm. in the entire hero class. And right. I don't think he's wrong. You know, this guy, like, he's got a pretty Definitely. awesome quirk. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I I like Todoroki a lot. I'm interested in seeing how he fares in the rest of this obstacle course. I fully expect him to come in first place at this point. Well, so let's talk about where we're left off here and, and close out uh, our episode with a little bit of guessing at what comes next. So... Everybody else from all of the classes is now, um, the, the robots are between them and Todoroki, uh, Todoroki. He's got a little bit of a head start on them. And Midoriya is looking at these monsters. He's having flashbacks about having punched one, but wrecking his body in the process. Um, so what's his move? What do you think, what do you think Midoriya does here? I don't know. That's a really good question. I kind of get the feeling he won't use his powers because he's smarter than that. He knows, like, the obstacle course just started, right? And if he uses his powers, then he's wrecked for the rest of the day. Even if he uses them in a small amount, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to hurt himself because he hasn't shown us that he has gotten his powers down pat yet. So I'm kind of thinking that either he'll figure out how to maneuver around the robots or he'll use them to his advantage somehow. I, I don't know necessarily what he would do, but I get the feeling that he'll let someone else take them out and benefit off of someone else's powers, or he'll figure out how to use the robots to his advantage and get yep. ahead. I just don't know how he would that's, do that. That's but he's, exactly what I have. He's smart enough down. to do it. That's exactly what I have. Yeah, he's down. smart enough to do it for sure. So I, I, Out of curiosity, did you notice that Todoroki seemed to be animated differently in this episode near the no. end? It seemed weird to me. There were a lot of shots where right after he froze the robots here, they're like close up on his face and he's running and his hair is flipping back and forth between the the, the blonde kind of icy looking hair and the fire mm-hmm. hair. And it just looked different. I, I, know, I know that's kind of a weird comment, but yeah. the animation style here looked cleaner almost, like movie level status, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, I, I didn't notice it, but I, I may rewatch the end of the episode, see if I can... Uh, if I can spot what you saw, um, yeah, I just it seemed like they were really emphasizing something about him. I just couldn't figure out what. I'm, you're you're typically uh, able to spot those for me, so I was hoping you might have noticed something mm-hmm. I didn't. I was too busy trying to figure out what I thought Midoriya was going to do. I don't think whatever it is that he's going to do to uh, to move past these robots, I don't think he has to do it alone. Um, no, I don't think so either. I also think that he he has enough. He has made enough friends. Um, just inside of his class that I think that he could benefit from relying upon them, falling in behind them. Uh, and then my last note is just um, that he could just find and exploit advantages. And that could be 
the, all of the robots are engaged with all these other heroes and he sneaks by, or he uses his powers, you know, his, his analytical mind to plot out moves and speedment, uh, speedment, moves and speed of movement, <laughs> um, and figure out uh, a path through them that's relatively safe and exploit that. Um, but I, I am, I am on the edge of my seat ready to watch this next episode because at the, at minimum, we're going to see a whole bunch of powers popping off all at once, and that is that's oh, yeah. sight. So I'm ready. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited because there are a lot of really interesting characters and a lot of new characters. I mean, we saw Shinzo. He was able to get out of this icy medley that Todoroki had made by what looked to me like he was like psychically controlling other people, I guess, and he was on their shoulders. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any notes about him being psychic. I just have what's with the general studies dudes carrying Shinzo. Um, that's all that I had. Yeah. So I hadn't, I hadn't even guessed at what his quirk might be, but uh, it, it totally could be something that is um, manipulation of the mind. I, I could buy that based on what little evidence we have so far anyway. Right, Which, but that kind of brings me to this point. I mean, that's a pretty powerful quirk, right? I mean, that would seem, that's like Jean Grey level of good. Whoa. You know what I mean? We've not seen anybody yet that's a psychic. If it was, would he be in general studies, or would he have just manipulated the minds of the teachers around him to place him in that's exactly my point to be in? So, right. So that's kind of where I'm wondering. Maybe is there someone that has a quirk that can not be controlled? Like, is it kind of like in Harry Potter where Snape teaches Harry how to not let other people invade his brain? There are quirks out there that allow people to psychically create wards. You yeah. know. Um, or on top of that, is it one of those things where they placed him in general studies because maybe he tested uh, closer to the villain side? You know, like maybe there's a test in there, maybe hidden in the entrance exams where they go, okay, this person has a lot of potential to become a villain. Ergo, let's put them in general studies and see how no, they develop. No, I, I reject that theory out of hand because Bakugo is, he is breaking bad. I've been saying this from episode one, I feel like. Um, so if there yeah. was something that was like, this guy has the potential to be a villain, Bakugo, he wouldn't be in MHA if there was some hidden uh, villain <laughs> component, in my opinion. Um, That's fair. I, That's fair. But Bakugo's like all show, though. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, he wants to be the best hero. Sure. Um, I, I will, so I I will say this, though. I think that um, to get back to what Shinzo's power may or may not be, it could be like some D&D spells work where if you affect somebody's mind typically they know that you did it right afterwards. So he knows, well, I can't, you know, manipulate All Might's brain into placing me into the hero class and get away with it because he's going to know that I manipulated him. That makes sense. Whereas, like, if he's yeah. using that power against a bad guy, of course they're going to know they're being manipulated and who's going to care, but he can't use it against people that are, quote-unquote, on his side. Um, so maybe it works uh, That like makes that. sense. I, I could definitely see that. I, I'm interested in seeing w more about him because I get the feeling he's going to be more of a main player uh, in this season yeah, at least. He's he's, so, he's been featured just enough that you you get this sense yeah. that he's definitely going to be around. Definitely, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm stoked for this season. Like, this is what the kind of anime I live for. Like, seeing powers versus powers is what got me into Naruto. The yep. all I had seen before I actually watched it was the tournament between all the different students. And that made me go back and rewatch it for the beginning. You know, Cell Saga is my favorite in Dragon Ball Z. I, I just love tournament style stuff. Like Yu Yu Hakusho is one of my favorite animes. And the whole first season is basically a tournament after they get the main character back alive. So I, I love this kind of stuff. And I get the feeling that season two is going to be my favorite if it just sticks to tournament style stuff. You know, I, 
I don't want a villain invasion like they did in the last one. I don't want seven episodes in the villains attack the tournament. Everybody becomes friends and they attack the villains. Like I just want to see power versus power, uh, and I really want to see a big like one for one beat down. You know what I mean? Yep, I'm into it, man. Hundred percent. I I want to see how Midoriya is going to get around Todoroki. Like that's going to be an epic fight if it happens. Yep, absolutely. So and you know I'm really interested in seeing uh. What, how other people fare in this obstacle course. Like, Ida seems like this is right up his alley. He should be able to blaze past everybody else, and I don't think we've seen much of him. Like, he didn't get frozen. He didn't show him getting out of it. We don't really know where he's at right now. So I'm interested in seeing what happens with him. Yep. What do you think will happen with Bakugo? Any any predictions with him in this obstacle course? Because he was able to get out of Todoroki's frozen ice power. Yeah, you know, I haven't thought about him at all. So um, I, I really... I hadn't hadn't given him the first thought, so I'll be I'll be just as surprised as anything. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, buddy. I think that's going to do it for episodes fourteen and fifteen. It means I think so. I think so. Those are some good episodes, yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll, we've got uh, lots to look forward to in sixteen and seventeen, and I'm sure we'll have lots to say after we watch them. Oh yeah, you know it. You know it. All right, man. Well, that's been a good one. I will catch you next week. All right. Talk to you then, bud. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. S-I-M-S-O.